CHUM AM Toronto is TSN 1050, an iHeartRadio station and the voice of Toronto sports. Quick question for you. Hey, let me ask you something. Can I ask you a question? Can you dig it? Yes, guy. Can you dig it? Yes, guy. The man with the words you've been dying to hear. Yes, guy. This is the Yes Guy Show with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Can you dig it? Oh, yes, guy. 2022 is here. Jim Taddy, Perry Lefko are here. You're here. We're all here. And time now for a robust yes, guy. Perry, how are you today, sir? Jim, excellent, robust guy. It's off to a great start in 2022 for the Yes Guy Show. Yes, uh, coming up on the broadcast very shortly, Cheryl Pounder. We're going to ask her. She's got like these just the, this bookcase full of medals. So we're going to ask her what she does with the medals, and, and she's going to be by very shortly. She's going to be working with me again on Tuesday night when the Leafs are in Vegas, scheduled to be in Vegas. We have to say that Tim Warnsby will be by uh, in segment number two, uh, talking about his new book, and it, it deals with. Uh, the uh, the first gold medal team. So the book is called Gold, How Gretzky's Men Ended Canada's 50-Year Olympic Drought. So we're going to have fun with that. And then Dean Romani, one of our sponsors, our mortgage guy will be buying segment three. And, of course, the robust Yes Guy, No Guy, the first Yes Guy, No Guy of 2022 anywhere in the world on this particular broadcast. Looking forward to that. Are, are you ready for that? I'm always ready for it. I'm always ready for you to say something that's going to challenge my mind. Yeah, that doesn't take much. But anyway, let's move on. God, let's God. bring in Cheryl Bounder. Cheryl, <laughs> Cheryl, welcome. How are you? Oh, I'm great, Jim. You got me off of the ODR with my kids where I was sweating uh, profusely after skating because I've been, you know, sitting on my tush for the last few weeks eating bonbons over the holidays. So, um, yeah, so the first taste of the ODR of the season, I didn't take one off the melon and... My skills have diminished significantly since I played, so it was a very humbling experience as the 10- and 11-year-olds ganged up and schooled me. But anyway, I'm here. I'm ready to chat. (laughs) Well, look, you're in broadcasting now, so your skills are going to diminish. There's nothing I can say about that. Oh, come on now. Uh, I'm still coaching now. (laughs) (laughs) Let let me ask you about all the... (laughs) <laughs> oh, yes, you do. Let, let me ask you about all these medals. I mean, what do you have, 15 or 16 of them? And, and there's a couple of uh, silvers in there. So how do you configure all these things? Well, I never look at the silvers. They stay in my underwear drawer. Um, but uh, in terms of the golds, you know, it, it's funny, uh, Jim. You know, obviously, I remember some of them more than others, in particular, just the meaning behind them. I don't think you ever forget your first when you when you put on that uh, Team Canada jersey and uh, a memory I will never forget, uh, just being able to to step out on the ice and and represent our country and, of course, walking into the opening ceremonies for the first time in 2002, I would have to say that's one of the most memorable moments and one of the toughest years athletically of my life that wound up being uh, one of the most successful in terms of not winning a game and then winning one all year and bringing home gold. So, so I guess there's a, there's a number of, of different ones, but for all the kids uh, out there, I still remember the first provincial championships I ever won when I was eight. So that still goes down as one of my faves. <laughs> 
Well, Cheryl, I'm from Mississauga. You're from Mississauga. And I wanted to ask you about the year 2000 when it was World Hockey Championships in Mississauga. So in terms of your career, what, how did that memory stand out? Uh, it was unbelievable. You know, it's funny. I took a job as a supply teacher because back in the day, and I will say back in the day, uh, you know, training and working was quite difficult. So I took sort of a, a job as a supply teacher at a high school. And I remember all the kids uh, rallying around the rink and, and coming out to watch why I would take my little leave of absence from teaching to be able to play in my own backyard. Uh, I remember Hazel McCallion, who, you know, was a, a big proponent of women's hockey. I think she dropped the puck at the first game I was ever a part of and the last one, and she was in the building. And it going into overtime and having your family, your friends, uh, your best friends, uh, some of the kids that I taught in the building, and just being able to win there in some of those buildings and rinks that I grew up playing on uh, was certainly a great memory. And it's funny, we got a gold medal ring, and I actually gave that one to my niece who was a hockey player and played uh, in, the, in the Team Canada system for a while because it meant so much to me. And, um, you know, just just having that ability to, to look out in the stands and, and know, hey, I've been a spectator here. I used to watch the Ice Dogs here and when I was growing up, and, and I've played on the ODRs, and this is where it's all been home for me. So that one was, was really, really special. Yeah, I don't know if you saw it, but Hazel did a lap before the final game. That was unbelievable, you know, being a former women's hockey player. But I wanted to ask you about the Olympics coming up this year. And if it was you and, you know, there was any concerns about COVID, would you decide to go anyway? Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's tough because I don't think, you know, not everyone will understand that answer. And that's fine, I think, to, to, to each his own, certainly. But I think from an athlete's perspective... There's a window of opportunity for you to compete no matter what sport you are in. And it's, it's the dream. And, you know, you've sacrificed and you've challenged along the way. You've, you know, you've gone through significant injuries. You've battled through different things with, with your families, with being able to get a spot on the team, which is one of the most difficult things to do. So I think for the athletes that have trained to that point, you know, I think if it's, if it's happening, there's certainly most, I would think, would want to go. However, you know, there, are, there will be some that will say, listen, can, can this be postponed? Or is there a window of opportunity maybe a month or two down the road? But certainly I think when you're, you know, the, when you, if you were given the ultimatum of you can go and compete or not, uh, for me it certainly, certainly would have been go. But again, you know, I had that dream from the time I was eight. I remember playing road hockey on the streets of Mississauga with my brothers, yes, getting hit in the head with a ball because they put me in net, but uh, that's another story, but I just, I remember <laughs> the dream starting there, and I knew, and I know that the answer, although, you know, that didn't happen to me at the time, although I was part of the team uh, that was supposed to go to China and SARS, hit, and we, we stayed home, and I remember how gutting that was for me, just having had made that team and not being able to go, so certainly I think if I were in the position right now, I, I would certainly still go, but again, recognize that you know, not everyone would be of the same breath. Cheryl, is, is there any way you can describe what happens to you individually when you're on this, this, this ultimate team, this, this Team Canada, you go into the Olympics, things happen, and you wind up with a gold. Is there any way to sum up what that experience does to you? Oh, you know, uh, when we won, I would say both, both years that I was a part of the Olympics and we won, in both 2002 and 2006 were very, very different. And, and I often say I, I can't really put into words or describe the feeling that 
uh, goes with that. I mean, when they put the medal around your neck or you jump on your goaltender for the, you know, the first time and that's sort of the dream and it's all encapsulated in that moment. And if you could have froze time, you could have froze it right there and, and left me in it for a decade. Uh, I was crying uncontrollably. Uh, I think I cried for two full weeks. It was like every emotion exploded inside my body at the same time. But I think, you know, in terms of the experience, I think all of our experiences in our life, good or bad, um, help shape the people we become. Uh, and it's not so much that, uh, you know, it changes you. It's, it's more about an experience that alters the way you see things. And, and one of the things I can honestly say, guys, now is now, again, this is how many years later and reflecting uh, one of the greatest feelings I have with both of those Olympic Winter Games, in particular 2002, is what it did for the sport. And now that I have young daughters, uh, I can honestly say that having members of our national team now heading into Beijing that watch those games and their dream was born, at the, at the time we had no idea the impact, the numbers of registration that would increase for young girls across our country but just that visibility. And so for me now, I think one of the proudest things coming out of those games um, outside of the journey to it with my teammates would be what it did for the game at that time and sort of the platform it put it on. And, um, and now I'm much older and can look at it that way uh, from an unselfish perspective. And uh, I, I really see that and know the importance of it going forward as well for all the young athletes out there that want to play this great game. Cheryl, I've been working on this show for Jim for more than a year, and it's always a challenge to match his intellectual capacity. I'm wondering what challenges you may face working with Jim. Oh, well, you know, it's funny. We're not, you know, this is a much different environment now when you're talking through a headset or you're talking through a phone, because I feel like if I was standing beside him, I may have a better understanding of what's going on in, inside that brain of his. <laughs> but... You know, he, he certainly, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, maybe it's just random sometimes, Jim. But uh, you're you're certainly no, a, fount <laughs> a fountain of of knowledge, and you never know what you're going to throw at us. So you just got to take it in stride. And we're, we're in the world of adaptation. So I'm just going to have to figure out how to adapt on the fly with you. <laughs> Well, that's how I live. I mean, if you can picture an old Rolodex spinning around at a pretty good speed, and every once in a while a card flies off it, that's the one I go with. But uh, See, there's no rhyme or reason to it. But Well, but, well uh, that's what my car looks like, Jim. So you can explain that to my husband. You know, <laughs> there's things everywhere. My house, you know, it's organized chaos. And that's, you know, I live in it. It doesn't have to be that's a right. house, does it? It, it? You know, it's a happy home, and things no. are everywhere. So I'm sticking to it. What? You have a plan and it works, and you know where everything is, and that's it's only for you to know because it's your stuff. So that's the way I look at it. I, what, Cheryl, what has to be done to to elevate uh, girls' women's hockey? You know, you know that's a, that's a great one, and I think we have to continue to to put it on um, the national stage in terms of the visibility. I think there needs to be, you know, when you get to the Olympics and and you have millions and millions of viewers, it's every four years, and we have to find a way. To, to showcase these women on a regular basis, and, and that starts with having a professional unified league. Um, I'll always be a proponent of that. I think the young girls, and I mean, and not just young girls. You know, I have nephews that came to my hockey school, and and that's right. They, you know, with female instructors, uh, the, the women play. They play from a young age now. 
They're young girls that turn into young women who love the game, but they have to have something to aspire to. And I think any time you put your child, and now that I'm a mom, you know, you put your child in a sport or an activity, uh, you want them to be able to reach their potential, whatever that may be. And so, so having the opportunity to, to be able to say, you know what, I, I, my favorite hockey player is Natalie Spooner. Or perhaps their choice. No, my my favorite hockey player is Mitch Marner, and and I think that that when we can get to that point where young girls can watch both and say, you know, make their choice about you know the players that they want to look up to, the the the, the jerseys that they want to wear. Um, but I think there needs to be uh, a unified league, uh, a professional league uh, at, at at its height to be able to, to do that. And in terms of that, I think there needs to be sort of an affiliate team, you know, uh, you know, kind of similar to your, your pro teams. And then you've got the teams underneath because there are a lot of women playing and there are enough. And unfortunately, we're sitting in a situation right now where I've talked to, to you know, proponents and advocates of the game uh, south and north of the border that will continually say the same thing, that, you know, in some ways, it was we were better off ten years ago when I played, and that's not that's not a that's not a good thing. And so the skill is way better uh, than when I played, but in terms of the platform, it it needs to be unified. Um, so so that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping that coming out of the Beijing Olympics, after all eyes have been on the game that there'll be a lot of talk around that. And I think it's a critical, critical time in women's hockey. And of course, the pandemic and everything else has has been a problem for everyone, all sports, but certainly think that it's time. The time is now and something needs to be done to ensure that the youth and, you know, the generation below us and and the next one after that can look ahead uh, and not be standing in one in the same spot. Cheryl, thanks for your time this morning. And, uh, you know, we, we're scheduled Tuesday night when the Leafs are in Vegas. I, I'm looking forward to it. I hope it happens. I know. I hope it happens. It's going to be, I think it's a late one, isn't it, Jim? If it's in Vegas, and it, yeah. it's going to be a late yeah. one. So we'll have to come up with you. You're going to have to intellectually um, challenge <laughs> me uh, to, to keep to keep. To keep me up past, uh, you know, midnight, uh, you know. Oh, he will. He will. I, I, I think you're going to have to help me. I mean, <laughs> that's it is a late one. Anyway, Cheryl, thank you very much. I look forward to our next gig, which is Tuesday night, and enjoy your weekend. Yes, you guys have a great one. Back to the ODR for me. Okay, well done. Cheryl Pounder, ladies and gentlemen, and all those gold medals, and just a thrill to work with in the broadcast booth, i got to tell you, even though in some particular uh, situations we are on headsets and, and not around each other, but it, it's it's great fun. You know, I, I, it's the first show of the year, and I messed all this up, so I'm going to have to do a double read here. Looking for an experienced real estate agent, Charles Park Managing Broker, Raymax West Realty, has 26, no, it's a new year, it's 27 award-winning years of real estate experience, so looking for the highest level of knowledge experience and service put charles park in your corner visit charlespark.ca call them or text them at 647-292-8886 servicing from hamilton to kingston from toronto to muskoka charles park will not be outworked by anybody and he's not just a guy to buy or sell a house for you if you're an experienced real estate agent looking for comprehensive value and a distinct advantage contact charles park managing broker remax west realty brokerage offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring for a confidential interview call 647-292-8886 or email charles at remaxwest.net this is yes guy on tsn 1050 listen to leafs lunch weekdays noon till one on tsn 1050
The Leafs live here. Yes, guy. Jim Taddy and Perry left. Go with you. Master your game strategy with Fox 40 coaching boards available for basketball, hockey, football, and more. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 30 years, oh, it's a new year, with 31 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Well, the book is called Gold, How Gretzky's Men Ended 50 Years of Olympic Drought. The author is Tim Warnsby, formerly from the Toronto Star and Globe and, and appeared on Hockey Night in Canada. Tim, how are you today, sir? Yes, guy. Hi, Jim. How are you? How are you? <laughs> <laughs> he broke the record. <laughs> I think he did. I know. That was... Yeah, the lightning round. <laughs> so th- this team, this 2002 team, I mean, it was it sort of gets pushed to the background, doesn't it, for some odd reason? Yeah, I, I really do think so. Um, you know, obviously we talk about Paul Henderson in 72 and even uh, Gretzky to Lemieux in, in, in 87, but uh, 15 years later was this team. And, you know, it was a really down uh, uh, sort of spiral for Canadian hockey at the time, if you remember uh, the, the 1996 World Cup, how much of a disappointment that was. And then, of course, the first time the NHLers went to the Olympics in 98 in Nagano, uh, again, Canada lost out in the semifinals to, to Dominic Kashuk and the Czech Republic. So if you, if you recall, too, there was a hockey summit, I think it was 1999, what's wrong with Kane hockey? Even the World Junior team, who you know, which won almost every year, well, it did, did win every year for five straight years from 92 to 90, or 93 to 97, it was on a downward spiral too. It hadn't won from '97. Uh, that was the Mike Babcock team till 2005, when Sidney Crosby came around. So, you know, this was an important uh, uh, time for for Canadian hockey to step up and cl- reclaim its uh, position on the top step of the podium, and they did just that. And but it didn't come easy, as you know, Jim. If you remember, uh, obviously they got off to a slow start, but then you know they they sort of rounded into form. Well, Tim, you and I have uh, been colleagues. We've been friends, and. Uh... So I congratulate you on doing your book with Triumph. I've also worked with them before. But I wanted to ask you, what were the challenges you faced writing a book, and would you consider doing it again? I'll definitely uh, I would consider doing it again. I've got a few ideas uh, going around my head right now. But uh, the challenges, Perry, I think, is um, organizing the whole project. Um, you know, you are in- instrumental in sort of motivating me to write this book and uh, in fact, I remember you saying that uh, it might be a better picture book uh, at first, but so I wanted to really get inside the team. So what I set out to do, Perry, was to try to interview every one of the players um, just to get their thoughts on different things and uh, get some inside stuff. Um, I didn't. I, the only guy I didn't really get a hold of was Merrill Lemieux, and I was told from the outset he just doesn't talk anymore. Uh, that was disappointing. But you know what? Sometimes it's better not to talk to the person because... So many people, Perry, uh, had so many glowing things to say about Mario and his leadership in this tournament. Uh, and that's not really the perception I think most of us in the hockey world had of Mario, that he was a true leader. Remember, there was questions about how much passion did he really have for the game itself, but uh, uh, it really came through from talking to some of the other guys about uh, you know the importance of Lemieux, how he played, how he came back just to play in the Olympics. If you remember, he had retired, was already in the Hockey Hall of Fame, then came back and played, and this was kind of his last hurrah. In fact, 
he was hurt. Uh, he sat out one game, the second game against Germany. He was hurt in this thing, in this tournament, uh, played hurt, and didn't play again the rest of the season after the Olympics. So, Tim, you mentioned Meryl Lemieux. Obviously, we can talk about Wayne Gretzky now, who had only been retired for three years. Um, he basically managed this team. He was very vocal at one point. So for any of us who haven't interviewed Wayne Gretzky, what was it like you know, working with him on, on a project that's probably very near and dear to his heart? Well, you know, I, I was uh, really worried about not getting a hold of him. Uh, he didn't like something I wrote about him a long time ago. And, uh, but uh, Bob Nicholson, uh, who was head of Hockey Canada back then, uh, was instrumental in, uh, in in getting Wayne on the phone for me for about. Uh, I promised Wayne I'll, I would only spend you know fifteen twenty minutes, and after twenty minutes, I said, "Well, Wayne, I've taken up my your twenty minutes, your allotment." And he says, "No, no, I've got a few more stories to tell." So he was great. You could tell Perry um, how much uh, he really thought of this. In fact, he said this was a thrill of a lifetime for him. Uh, you know, you, you have to go back to ninety eight. I think when you talk about Gretzky and this Olympic team, because. Um, you know, he was on that team. He wasn't picked for the shootout. We all remember the photos and the and the uh, the camera catching uh, Gretzky sitting on the bench after that disappointing loss to, to Dominic Hasek and the Czech Republic. Um, you know, he, he was he was devastated. And then a year later, he retired. And uh, you know, this was a bit of a surprise that you know, like you said, only three years out of retirement, he comes to run the team. But uh, a lot of credit has to go back to Bobby Clark and Bob Ganey who ran the 98 team, um, you know, they were uh, also uh, devastated that uh, Canada didn't win the gold in, 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 the, in the Gano, and uh, so they did a debriefing session with Nicholson. And one of the things Clark suggested to Nicholson was, get Wayne Gretzky involved in any way you can. This guy is unbelievable. And how this all stemmed from every morning, Ganey and Clark would be down in the athletes' village in the cafeteria having a cup of coffee, talking about hockey, and and other things in the world, and sure enough, Gretzky would always be there. And uh, Clark was just so impressed how much Gretzky uh, was up to date on all the teams and uh, player personnel, that sort of thing. And uh, that's how it all came about. How Gretzky was, uh, you know, was going to run the team. And uh, you know, it was very interesting. I'm, I'm going on here a bit, but I just want to tell one little story about uh, Nicholson going to California. Just to sort of see if Gretzky was was indeed the guy to run the team, and uh, they got around to talking about the coaches, and uh, so the, so Wayne said, "Why don't you, Bob? Why don't you write a list of four coaches you think should be the head guys uh, for this team, and I'll write four. And so they each wrote a list, and they had similar guys like Hitchcock and uh, and, and 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 people like that, but. Uh, the one guy that Nicholson had on his list uh, that Gretzky did not was Pat Quinn. Uh, Nicholson liked Pat Quinn. He knew him from his days in British Columbia. and uh, So this was kind of a – Gretzky was intrigued by, you know, Pat Quinn. Didn't really know him that well. Um, uh, then the next day they played golf with Russ Cortnell. Russ was at that time was uh, Gretzky's neighbor in California. And uh, – uh, Gretzky asked Russ, who would you pick if you were picking an Olympic coach? And without a doubt, he said, Pat Quinn, and, which was kind of funny because that was the name that uh, Nicholson had brought up. And, uh, and he says, why is that? He goes, well, Russ said, you're going to have a lot of egos in this team. Guys are, who are used to first-line minutes and first-line power play time who are going to have to t- you know, play on the fourth line, maybe even the 13th forward. And Pat Quinn just has a presence and a way with he treats men like men. And I think he's the guy for a short-term uh, project like this. And, and so really, 
Pat owed Russ Cornell a big thank you for getting him that job, and uh, and then, you know that was just one of the things that uh, came out of this uh, uh, book. Wow, I mean, probably that is at the top of the list. Is there anything else there that you would have learned? Because you would have been on this story as it was happening, but in the process of doing this book, is there anything else you learned that that sort of surprised you? Yeah, a couple things, uh, Jim. Uh, first was the, uh, uh, you know, we all knew that uh, Eiserman was hurt, but because of afterwards he had to have uh, knee alignment surgery uh, uh, that following summer. But uh, how hurt was he? And uh, so Gretzky told me a story about how he would go in the dressing room, just sort of talk to the guys, get the temperature before every game, have a cup of coffee, you know, just be seen and maybe provide a sounding board, anything like that. And he went into the trainer's room, and there's Eiserman uh, uh, being worked on by... Uh, uh, Kevin Lowe's brother Kenny, and uh, so you know they were just talking a bit. And anyway, Wayne left and went down the hallway from the dressing room, and Kenny came running after him. He said, "Wayne, I just want you to know how hurt Eiserman is." He said, "If this was the Stanley final game of the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs, I wouldn't. I would say he shouldn't play. But since it's Olympic gold, he wants to play." And then Eiserman went out and played a hell of a game, and uh, you know was one of the leaders and key play- players in that final game. The other story, uh, well, there's a lot of stories, but one other story that always sticks out in my mind is, uh, you know, we all know about Gretzky's rant after the third game against Czech Republic. He tried to pull a Phil Esposito, if you will, of what he did in 1972. He got really criticized a lot for it, to saying it was contrived and uh, all this stuff. And uh, But the next day, um, uh, Bill McCreary, who was the referee in that game, uh, he, was, he, he got a call from home in Guelph, and his wife said... Uh, our daughter's being picked on in school. Some of the other, I think she was in grade six. Some of the other kids are saying, uh, you know, your dad's a cheater because Gretzky did criticize the referee in his rant. And so McCreary was upset, and he, he went and looked at looked at the timetables for the schedules for the practice schedule the next day, and waited out in the parking lot for Gretzky, not to beat him up, but just if, for those of you who don't know Bill McCreary, he's one of the most thoughtful people you're ever going to meet just a great guy and he said uh, he, he, he waited for Wayne to come out to the bus and pulled Wayne aside and uh, told told Wayne you know what was going on back home in Guelph and Wayne was just so uh, he just felt so bad and he, he offered to call the school and talk to the other kids about uh, leaving McCurry's daughter alone and uh, Bill said no that's you know he he, he actually told me Bill said that uh, he, he thought Gretzky was really going to be, it was going to be a, a bit of a verbal spat, but he said Gretzky was so understanding and he couldn't believe that he offered to do this. And Bill says, don't worry about it, my daughter will get through it, and I just want you to know this is the kind of weight your words have. And, uh, you know, I, I, I thought I repped a good game, you felt otherwise, but uh, we'll leave it at that. So it was kind of a neat little ending to that rant uh, because we all know that Canada really turned it around after that game. Tim, the book is out uh, February 1st. How do people get it? Uh, well, the usual suspects, uh, you can get it through Amazon or Indigo Chapters. Uh, you can also, there's a little bookstore around the corner from me here, uh, Ben McNally Books, and uh, he's willing to just look him up on the Internet. Uh, he's got an, uh, an email address there where you can uh, send him a note, and he'll get, he'll get the book out to you. Tim, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Happy New Year. Same to you, Jim. Thanks, Perry. See you.
That is Tim Hornsby, uh, and I think I messed this up. Uh, Sun Sports is where he worked in the Globe and, and appeared on Hockey Night in Canada. So uh, sometimes when you're reading those commercials, you get ahead of yourself. But really want to thank him for stopping by. The book is called Gold, How Gretzky's Men Ended Canada's 50-Year Olympic Drought. It comes out February 1st. Introducing Fox 40's new premium whistle, the Fox 40 Titan. A sleek titanium body. The Titan emulates the authentic sound of the Fox 40 Classic. Available now in titanium gold or matte black. And that's available at fox40shop.com. So you can get it in titanium, gold, or matte black at fox40shop.com. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 31 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money and get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors. Advisors Incorporated. This is Yes Guy on TSN 1050. First up with Karolnik and Koliakovo. Weekday morning, 6 till 10 on TSN 1050. If you ain't first, you're last. Be prepared on the ice with Fox 40 hockey products such as the Fox 40 Call, the Fox 40 Super Force CMG. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG, SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean or visit his website, DeanRomani.com, or give him a call at 416-885-1761 or listen to him speak now. Dean, welcome. How are you? Happy New Year. Okay, he's not there. I thought he was there. Uh, we'll hook up with him later on. Uh, oh, there you are. Dino, how are you? Hey, sorry about there that. You are. How's it going, guys? Happy New Year. Good, good, you. <laughs> Happy good, New Year. Um, well, let's talk about uh, how COVID and, and the real estate market have, have collided. What's, what's your take on that? Well, it's been a funny take, actually, because the last uh, almost two years, I mean, we've seen the market go crazy, so... I think with a lot of people, the situation is becoming, I mean, if they were looking to buy they were and, and, you know, they were stable with their income or jobs, everything like that, they were still going to buy regardless. Um, interest rates haven't, risen, haven't rose, so therefore, I mean, you know, the lower the rates, uh, I, what I see is the prices go up. Um, so I, I'm thinking, you know, this year might be the same now with this new variant and everything shutting down again. So I don't know. It's... It, it, it really acted in the opposite direction I thought it would go. I thought we would have like a little, uh, you know, stall in, in, in the market, but nothing's changed. Like it's just keep going up and up and up. It's a little crazy, actually. You know, Dean, the U.S. has it that if you own a home and you're paying a mortgage, you can write off the, the tax uh, on the, the interest. Do you okay. think that'll ever happen in Canada? Um. I don't, you know what? Great question. I, I I don't know. I mean, you can write off on, on investment properties. You can write off, uh, you know, the interest and, and stuff like that and expenses. But on your principal residence, I don't know. That would be a great question to, you know, ask an accountant. Uh, I, I think I think the government's going to do anything to make money. So whatever they can tax us on, they're going to tax us on. So I don't think they're going to give us that break anytime soon. But, Dean, so here we are at the start of a new year. At- yeah. Uh, that's okay. Uh, the start of a new year. So, so if somebody was thinking about entering the housing market, or if somebody's in the housing market and wants to to either uh, uh, go up or or or, or downsize, uh, what are your suggestions at this point of the year? What should they be doing and thinking about? 
again, like we like we spoke about before, I, I strongly suggest talk to your mortgage professional. Get yourself set up with a pre-approval. Um, make sure you have all your ducks in a row and go out there and make a make a strong offer. Um, again, I mean, a lot of these houses that are going up for sale right now are not um, accepting you know offers that are coming in conditional of inspection or financing. And so, you know, best thing to do is get it out of the way up front. I mean, I always say it's it's a dangerous um, game to to go in firm as, as always. You don't know, especially no inspection. I mean, financing if you're strong and you know you can get the mortgage, it's one thing to waive that. But an inspection, I mean, looking at a house and uh, as opposed to having an inspector look at the house and see if everything's okay is, is it's two different two different things. So it could be a, a big call or a big expense if you know if you rent the house. So always have your ducks in a row uh, when you're listing your own house. Have it. Uh, you know, properly, you know, uh, maintained and, and up to par, everything looks good. And, and, you know, like I said, in this market, everything is selling. Everything's got a price and everything's selling and selling quick, right? So, yeah. Uh, and but, and so, uh, like, you, you hear about it a lot, like these houses go for two or 300000 above uh, the list price. I mean, that's got to be, a, a, you know, for, for a mortgage guy, that's got to be a nightmare, isn't it? Well, you know what? That's a great question. So I had this debate with somebody the other day. I mean, Sometimes a house, let's say a house is worth $1.5 million, and you know it's going to get 1.5, okay? People are listing it at 1.4 yeah. or 1.3 to attract these multiple offers. Now, yeah, it might get 1.55 because of the craziness, or even 1.6. And then, you know, as it reports on the MLS, it sold for, you know, 300000 over asking. But what was the actual market value of the house? It probably sold fifty to 100000 or even on par of what it was actually worth. So I think the numbers are a lot misconstrued because i mean like i said and i get what the realtors are doing and, it, and it's fine i mean if that happened with my house i'd be more than welcoming for it as well i mean and you're going to list the house get the a little bit lower so I, I think with the list price and what it sells for they're not they're not true factors now what the lenders will look at when the appraisals come in they'll look at the neighborhood so for example if the neighborhood's selling at 1.5 and this house was listed at 1.3 and it sold for 1.55 i don't think there would be an issue in that sense it's where the neighborhood's selling for 1.3, and then all of a sudden, this house that you're trying to put a mortgage on sold for 1.55, for example. There might be an issue when it comes back on the appraisal, right? So that's where it becomes a nightmare. You know, Dean, this may be a little bit off topic, but when we're talking about COVID and people worried about their health, do you know if there's any concern among buyers and sellers about the interaction between the two and, and worried about, say, a person coming into the house, you know, and... and how that may just impact health or their health. Yeah, yeah I think, I think um, when this all started last year, I mean, I, I think the open houses weren't really going on and a lot of showings weren't happening. I mean, I've seen that people, you know, you know, they're wearing their masks or they're wearing gloves or they're asked to put on some uh, uh, hand sanitizer before they walk into the house. Um, I think people are being more cautious, but if somebody needs to sell their house, um, you know, and an agent is going to bring through, you know, a potential buyer. I don't think there's, um, I'm not, I don't want to say a caution for help, but I don't think they're going to say no to let somebody come into the house. I mean, everyone's cautious. Nobody wants to have, you know, numerous strangers run through their house and check it out. I get it. Uh, but yeah, I think it has impacted, like even, even one thing I've noticed in our, in our business, like lawyers are not even taking, um, a lot of clients into their office. Everything's done through zoom now. So I think it's really, um, made things efficient where, you know, clients now don't even have to leave their house to sign with their 
with their lawyer to sign, sign the mortgage. You know what I mean? So, I mean, things... COVID has brought some good stuff to our industry. It has streamlined a lot of processes and, and to, for us to avoid, you know, human contact or human interaction face-to-face. Um, like me, I, we do a lot of stuff through email or through Zoom calls as well. So it, it's gotten good. But tough to sell a house unless you go see it. You know what I mean? Like everyone wants to go see what they're going to buy first, right? So I think it's yeah, on the cautious true. side, but I don't think it's, uh, it's – I don't think that's going to disappear this year either. Okay, you, you mentioned something earlier. I just want you to, to clarify because I don't want anybody to have the wrong idea here. So, so yeah. let's say you approved me for a million dollars in a mortgage, uh, yeah. and, and I bought a place for, uh, you know, I had two hundred. So I, I bought a place for one point two. Even though I'm approved at, at a million bucks, you still have to appraise what I bought, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the appraisers, the the lenders will want to have the property appraised. So what will happen is, for example, if you bought at 1.2 and the appraisal comes back at 1.2, and we gave you a mortgage for 80 percent of, we have to give you anything over a million dollars. You you can't. You have to put down more than the 20, the 20 percent. So right. You know, we give you we give you you know 80 percent of 1.2, and uh, you know if it appraises at 1.2, no problem. The issue becomes if that property appraises at 1.1. Okay, so if it appraises at 1.1 uh, and you've bought it firm, you're on that hook for that $100,000 difference. So now the bank will give right. you 80% of that 1.1. Okay, now if it appraises at 1.3, yeah. the bank still gives you the 80% of the 1.2. So it works in the well, bank. And that's, that's really what happens. Yeah, well, that's really what happens in in, in the uh, the multiple offers where the price sort of escalates to a level that uh, that maybe the bank isn't comfortable with, right? Absolutely. The scariest thing I always say to people: so some people will go into bidding wars, and they're putting. That always, I always recommend against this. If you're buying a property under a million dollars and you're putting less than twenty percent, where you need the CMHC insurance, I always tell them: do not go in firm because. Sometimes you get a little emotional with the price, and let's say they buy the property for nine hundred, and they're putting five or ten percent down, or whatever it is, fifteen percent down. If that appraisal comes in short, and you don't have extra money, you can be in a lot of trouble, right? You can be on the hook for that, uh, yeah, for that that promise. So I, I, it, it's you have to be very careful when you're when you're guiding your clients. I know because listen, we all know that like when you get into multiple offers, it can get emotional. Like people start bidding emotionally, right? So price can go up. Price can definitely yeah. go up a lot. Dean, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Again, Happy New Year to you and your family. No problem, guys. Happy New Year. Okay, take care. Good talking to you. That's Dean Romani. So there's a couple of things he said there I just want to clarify. When he said, um, go in, uh, don't go in firm, that means he, he's, he's telling you to put in a financing clause, which means, you know, this is all approved if the financing is approved. If the financing clause isn't met, then the deal goes south. Um, the other thing is uh, you're on the hook. So uh, what that means is uh, if you go in firm and you're on the hook for that extra hundred grand and you don't have it, what that means is you can't fulfill the contract. You could face legal action because you would have uh, altered the, the financial state of the sell, the, the, you know, the person selling the house. Uh, there, there's a lot of ramifications. You have to be very careful with that stuff. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, or if your mortgage is coming, up for renewal. Talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. He specializes in mortgage financing for purchases, refinances, home equity line of credit, and private lending. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTG Dean. Visit his website, DeanRomani.com, or give him a
a call at 416-885-1761. And now one more thing from Fox 40, and it'll go like this. Stay safe and stay heard with the Fox 40 electronic whistle, producing 100 decibels at the push of a button. The electronic whistle is perfect to bring along for any outdoor activity. Don't forget to use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. This is YESGUY, the radio show on TSN 1050. Overdrive with Hayes, Noodles, and the O-Dog. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 7 on TSN 1050. TSN 1050. Listen anywhere. Head to tsn1050.ca. Hit the Listen Live button and enjoy the show. TSN 1050. Everywhere you want it. Now back to... The Yes Guy Show. Yes Guy. On TSN 1050. Yes Guy. No Guy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers, time now for the fully sanctioned Yes Guy radio show edition of Yes Guy, No Guy. Go ahead, sir. Will the mercurial Antonio Brown get signed by another team even after what happened with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Uh, I'm going to say immediately, no, guy. Uh, see you next year, guy. How about you? No. I, if somebody gives him another chance, I, I don't know what they expect differently. So I, I think it's time to uh, part ways with Antonio Brown in the NFL. Okay, Friday night we were treated to excellence from Freddie Van Vliet. So here's my yes, guy, no, guy. Freddie Van Vliet goes from steady Freddie to incredible Freddie. Yes, guy, all the way. He has... He has stepped up and become the leader, leader you know, after they lost arguably their franchise player last year through free agency. Um, yeah, I think steady Freddie, intellectual Freddie, whatever Freddie you want to get, he is the Freddie of, of, of the Raptors. How's that, guy? In, incredible Freddie. That's what I like. Okay, go ahead, sir. The Oilers need to make a coaching change. Uh, well, I'm going to say yes, guy, just because... You can't trade the players, so something's not working there. Uh, you got all that talent. I know they're battling COVID now, but uh, you know I, I think there's. Uh, I, it's almost like the uh, the B side of the Leafs. Uh, the, you know the Leafs have all kinds of optimism. But the Oilers uh, just continue to disappoint. So I'm going to say yes, guy, to that. I don't like to go down that road, but but yes, guy. Are you ready for this? Yes, yes sir. I know, guy. Tom Brady generate. Tom Brady generates too much content. No way, guy. He's the greatest of all time. The more, the merrier. I can't get enough of Tom Brady. Can you, guy? I'm getting fed up with the Tom Brady references. I mean, I just want to watch the guy play. I don't really care about the rest of it. Everybody's got something to say about Tom Brady. Just watch him play. Okay, guy? I'm all with that go ahead, guy. Sir. Um, let's go, ahead, go sir. with Will the Montreal Canadiens give Patrick Waugh an interview for GM? Oh, yes, guy. Why wouldn't they? I think that that would be an interesting mix there to, to have him in there with, with uh, you know, Jeff Gorton. And I don't know how that's all going to work, but certainly a great hockey mind and, and a big part of the Montreal Canadiens history. So why not? I'd say they're going to give him an Ready interview. Ready for this? There's, there's no chance they're going to make him GM. Just too much controversy with Patrick Watt. That's it. Okay. Okay. Um, yes, guy, no, guy. It's time for Perry to write another book. Oh, yes, guy. When it'll happen? I can't tell you, but I'm thinking about the Jim Taddy story. What do you think, guy? <laughs> you need more than two yes, pages. <laughs> Austin likes it. It's a yes, guy. Yeah. 
Yes, technical producer Austin Mackey with the uh, the hijinks, planned and unplanned. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> I just want to say, basically, are you feeling optimistic about 2022? Okay, so let me let me put it to you this way: Yes, guy, no guy. 2022. This is the year, guy. <laughs> guy, wow. what does that mean? Wow. What does that mean? This is the year. This is the year. It's a positive thing. This is the year. You say yes, well, guy. Well, then just say, yeah, you're yes, positive. Guy. What kind of an answer is that, if guy? You, if, 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 you said, if you said no guy to that, I, I wouldn't like your chances. Uh, we have to do this on the way out. So that concludes yes, guy, no guy. Uh, for the University of, of Western football program, two really big losses this week. Darwin Smodiak and Larry Haler both passing away a couple of days apart. So our, our thoughts go out to the University of Western football program, anybody involved with it. Those are two huge losses. There's no question about that, Perry. No question about it. Anybody knows anything about Western Ontario, those guys are legend. And thanks for Ron Foxcroft for sharing that information with us. Yeah, so um, next week, by the way, Christopher Stieg, former Leaf, will join us. He thought it was today, but <laughs> he sent me a note during the show. But he'll be with us next week to lead us off on Episode 58 of Yes Guys. We move along. So I want to thank everybody, including our sponsors, Herb Braley, Charles Park, Dean Romani, and Fox 40 for renewing for another season of shows. And we'll continue on with Episode 58 next week. Hope you enjoyed this edition of Yes Guy. First up with Karolnik and Koliakovo, weekday morning 6 till 10 on TSN 1050. If you ain't first, you're last.